to the Ask Chris and Kate podcast, providing answers to your burning tennis questions. Wherever you're going on your tennis journey, we're here to help you get there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Ask Chris and Cade podcast. Today, we interview a good buddy of mine, Thomas Wallace from Nova Scotia. He is now playing tennis at Eastern Illinois University. Uh, we used to play tennis together back when I was living in Halifax, and uh, we hope you enjoyed today. Yeah, Thomas is going to share a lot of tidbits that parents and players in Atlanta, Canada are going to want to hear. He's got some great tips and he shares things that motivated him along his journey to help him play D1 college tennis. So we look forward to uh, sharing this with you, and here's Thomas. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, we appreciate having you on the show, so thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And uh, I guess first thing is uh, I did see that uh, you guys, your team won uh, last week. Congrats on the big win. And I saw you had a nice win there as well, a 6-2, 6-1 win. Tell us a little bit how it felt to get back on the court. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty uh, first first match I played in, in 10 months. So I definitely missed uh, being out there competing. Um, it was really great. Uh, we have we have a new coach this year, so it was also great. It was first uh, win as a Division One coach, so. That was great for him, too. I think it was a, a really good way for us to start our season, and we're looking forward uh, to keeping it going next weekend. Sweet. So is there anything different, Thomas, between the COVID and, like, like how are the – are you guys still matches the same, only just with COVID protocols, or what? how's that working there for yeah, you guys? The, the matches are exactly the same. It's, it's very different day-to-day. Uh, -day. Like, a lot of my classes are, are hybrid classes, so we'll spend one day in person and, and one day online. Um, so that's a little bit different. And then obviously, uh, wearing a mask pretty much all the time until, until we get onto the court. Um, also every morning when we wake up seven 30, every morning we go over to the facilities to get screened. So we take our temperature or COVID related questions and we get COVID tested pretty much every week. So the school's doing wow. pretty good. The school's doing a good job, uh, trying to keep it under control, especially because if, uh, if we have an exposure on the team, the seven day quarantine. So. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want to miss any matches. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they're doing a good job. So we're going to get into asking you a bunch of questions of what it's like at Eastern Illinois. But before we get to that, I think uh, we have a couple other questions here for you. So yeah. So I guess my first question for you, Tom. Um, everyone has a, you know, how they start their tennis journey. Like, how did it start for you? So like, how did you start playing tennis? Like. Uh, What's your story? Yeah, well, for me, I, I started, uh, I was a big hockey player when I was a kid. And then uh, Tennis Nova Scotia was doing um, like a little school. Uh, and they, they came to my school. And I played tennis in gym and they really liked it. And then my mom signed me up for uh, a summer camp at uh, then uh, Daniel Nestor Tennis Center, now the Atlantic Tennis Center. And I went there and did a summer yep. camp and just absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, it had such a blast. And then I, I joined uh, the academy at, at the NTC and then kind of took it from there. Great. How old were you when you started, Thomas? I started quite late. I didn't uh, into training every day, probably 12, um, which is pretty late. But I think that really helped me kind of avoid burning out, especially when I turned 16 and 17. And um, you said you played hockey. I was a hockey player too. Um, how long did you play hockey or like how long did the multi-sport thing go? Uh, probably it went uh like six months maybe and then it was a really really hard decision for me uh to decide to quit hockey and pursue tennis but 
Um, I think the biggest the biggest reason that I, I chose to switch was uh, one of my coaches mentioned the opportunity of may, maybe playing Division One tennis in the future. I had an older cousin that played uh, Division One hockey at Bowling Green State, so um, I, I was I I took that and and saw that you know I could be a, a Division One student athlete in the future and uh, made that my goal from the day I started and and just went from there. Wow, so that's impressive. Um, so you uh, you kind of touched on it there. So you the next question I had for you is actually is when did you realize you wanted to play uh, college tennis? And it sounds like right from the get go you were like that's my goal. Yeah. And when you were twelve, thirteen, there is that how it kind of yeah, ended up? That was exactly it from the very beginning. The goal was always to play college tennis. Um, just opportunity to study study here and and play tennis at, at a at a high level has has been a dream of mine you know, my whole life. So to be able to, I'm very grateful for that now. That's awesome. And it's pretty cool to see how you kind of had that dream and you accomplished mm -hmm. it, man. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So like, did you find having that kind of vision that early on, do you think that helped you Thomas or do you think it put too much pressure on you when you're thinking about that stuff or I think, what do you think for younger, younger I think it, it really, uh, to have that in my mind in the future, uh, that goal. But I mean, I, there were a lot of little goals on the way, you know, like the first thing was trying to figure out how to hit a forehand. And then the second thing was yep. trying to become top five ranked in Nova Scotia. Then it was number one ranked in Nova Scotia. Then it was to go to my first nationals and then to play my first ITF and then so on and so forth. So a lot, there were a lot of steps in between the way, but the finish line was always definitely, definitely to play uh, division one tennis. Well, that's a great little, not little, but great point you just made there. As a parent and as players, you mm -hmm. had the big vision, but you had set the smaller steps, goals yeah. along the way, right? So that makes it kind of not seem so far. So the little goals kind of help you feel yeah. like you can celebrate things along the way, correct? Yeah, I think that was really important for me. I remember uh, my mom, like last year, she found a list of goals I wrote. I wrote down when I was like 13. Um, and it was pretty funny yeah. looking back at them. I did but a lot of them. It's really important, uh, especially in tennis, where it's an individual sport, where it's important to have goals and 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 work towards them. Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I think, you know, a lot of juniors, especially well, you know, everywhere, they're always focused on you know the end goal when you know you can have little goals, like you said, and you know, kind of work towards little goal and keep, you know, leveling up. I like to say, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like a video, yeah, almost, almost like a video game. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, so you had that goal and your your accomplishment. So, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my next question for you. So, I guess we're gonna jump a couple of years from like thirteen to a like a year and a half ago. So, your college search. So, you go to 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 Eastern Illinois, and how did you find that school? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a crazy journey. It was a lot of months of every night spending spending two hours sending emails to coaches. A lot of a lot of no's, a lot of uh, no scholarship left. Um, but I, I was very fortunate uh, at that time. Chris Tolson was the head coach of the of the men's team here. Um, he, he told me to come on a recruiting visit, and I came. Came out on a recruiting visit to Illinois and and fell in love with the school and with the team and uh, I signed. I went home and I, about two weeks later, so it, it worked out pretty well. But it, it's very hard uh, 
when you're doing your recruiting and you're getting a lot of no's, a lot of no's, um, just to, to keep on sending emails every day, every day and calling coaches and explaining why you'd be a good fit in their program. And then hopefully finally you find a situation that, that is mutually uh, beneficial. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Um, okay. I guess, yeah. I mean, that's one thing that I've through my college shoots to date. I mean, yeah, I've received a lot of no's and, for kids out there, I think you do need to know that, you know, you're going to receive notes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I remember when I way, way back when I first started looking, I mean, I was like, okay, yeah, let's go to Wake Forest and Duke. Like I'm going to make a team. So if you're a kid that's starting to look, and I mean, if you're a listener, you're not going to be getting into every single school and on the team. So I have a side question to that. So right now, for me, I'm kind of narrowing, narrowing down for as far as schools. So did you have any, like, other schools that were really close that you were maybe going to choose? Uh, it, it came down to, to a few different options. I was talking to University of Colorado at Pueblo. Um, they're, they're a pretty decent Division II school, but my, my heart was really, really set on playing at the highest level. So I, I talked to the coach at Bucknell. Um, uh, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about going there, but unfortunately, my my twelve ten SAT was good enough to get into the school. Um, and then when I was on my recruiting visit at Eastern, uh, the coach of Nichols State reached out to me. Um, I was I was so close to committing to Eastern that it, I didn't really pursue it at all. But it, it was mostly down to those schools, and then an array of uh, Division two schools uh, f- from across the country, really. But uh, my my heart was definitely set on playing Division one, and but I I don't think that's that's uh, the way it should be for everybody. Um, it, it really depends on what you're looking for in a school. There's a lot of really good programs, Division two, Division three, all across, all across the country. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, I think, from what I see for kids in Atlanta, Canada, especially, like, I don't think a lot of coaches are going to know who the heck players are from here. You really have to get on the horn and send the Put emails there. and really sell yourself because, yeah. and maybe, I don't know if you agree, Thomas, but, I know just from what Cade's telling me with his conversations, a lot of coaches don't even really care how many times you've been to nationals or if you've been to nationals, like UTR is important. Was that, was it similar to you, to your kind of journey when you were calling? I mean, UTR is important. I think that's a tool that coaches use, but uh, it's definitely only one tool. You know, like I I think that the most important thing uh, that coaches want to hear is that, um, that just getting to the school is not the finish line that once you get here, you're going to continue to work hard every day and that you want to improve and you know, you're going to fit into their culture and all of those things. Like a lot of, a lot of guys with 12 UTRs and commit to schools and show up and then they don't train for four years. Once they get here, like they, they don't, yeah. they don't. And then, and then by the time you get to your sophomore or junior year, those guys that had lower UTRs that have, have the right attitude, they, they start passing them and they play higher in the lineup and they win more matches. So I think that it's only it's one of the tools that coaches use UTR, um, but I mean there's a lot of, a lot of other things that coaches use uh, for recruiting. Yeah, and I think they also like to hear you talk and your marks and what kind of person you'd be on a team, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And one thing that I've noticed too is like, the, I mean, depending on the school, but I mean, most coaches they're really into the academic side too. That's one thing that I was was not expecting, like getting on the phone call. Like academics were one of the, like before tennis they were like how oh, your marks right yeah, yeah. like that too. yeah it, it really is student athlete um you need yeah. to get good marks your gpa is very important um and you're not only 
I mean, unless unless you're an incredible incredible tennis player, you're not you're not only uh, getting a- athletic scholarship. A lot of it also is a combination of athletic and academic scholarship. So the grades are definitely really important, and uh, team GPAs are something that are important, especially for tennis. Um, where like right now, a lot of a lot of schools because of the economic situation are cutting tennis programs and it's really important for coaches that their teams have high GPAs because that's really important to see overall, um, the overall student athlete GPAs, uh, when you have 4.0s makes it a lot harder uh, to cut your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the schools want good students there. They don't want people that aren't great students. Right. So that's definitely a good yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so now that you guys, and this is kind of both for you and Katie Thomas, now that you look back on your junior career in Atlantic Canada and remembering all the stress and pressures of the ATAs and the Atlantics and trying to be getting to nationals, I'm a firm believer that kids in Atlantic Canada, I, don't, I think it's great if you do qualify for nationals, but I don't think it's a be-all, end-all to mean that you're, you're going to play college tennis. Would you guys agree with that, or am I crazy thinking like that? Um, you can go ahead. I definitely think that uh, that like just because you don't go to nationals doesn't mean they won't be able to find a, a spot. I don't think that's not. I don't think that's true. I think that you can find a spot at any of the varying divisions, regardless of whether you attend nationals or not. And I think that especially from Atlantic Canada, uh, the the only the only thing that I think nationals really provides is is an opportunity to to play quality matches that you don't get exposed to mm-hmm. very often. Yeah. Um, and and I think that just in the long term, that's more important than getting results in nationals. It's the experience that you get playing against the really good players from Quebec and Ontario. Yeah, for sure. I I that's I couldn't emphasize that more. Like when I went, like I was kind of a deer in headlights just because you know you got these guys that are training at the national center. And you're like, oh my god, look at these big lefty slice serves coming at me. Like I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean. In my experience, playing at Nationals, I think, like, it, I don't think it's the be-all, end-all, like you said, Dad, but I think knowing that I went there, I think having that kind of experience yeah. is not having the back pocket. Just like in matches, like, okay, you know, I was able to get there. I know. I know. Yeah. It's just a confidence builder. Yeah, I think it's uh, more of a confidence builder. So, I mean, personally, for me, when I was younger and getting so upset, like, you know, losing the 3-4 match in Atlantic, I mean, that's a whole other story. But, like, I think um, I didn't need to beat myself up yeah. over it as much as I did. I think as parents are listening, too, like, yeah, it's nice to get the Nationals, but you can, you know, travel to Ontario or Quebec and get some matches in, even if it's not Nationals, or you could go down south, hopefully after all this COVID stuff goes away, and get matches and not necessarily put all that pressure on you to crack the Nationals every time, right? So that's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah, and and, I, and there's other other options, too, like ITFs. ITFs are more important to, to colleges or to coaches doing recruiting than Canadian Nationals are. Um, yeah. You can go. I played an ITF in Calgary. I played one in Iceland, uh, and and the quality of matches you're getting in those are just as good as, or even better than Canadian nationals would be. So, I, I definitely think that if you're not qualifying for not qualifying for nationals, it's not not the end of the world. There's a lot of other other options mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, yeah. I think one other thing too, especially kids in Atlantic Canada. Now that I'm older, I mean, if you're not willing to go to Ontario and you know wherever, travel big time. 
some of these kids now, like I remember I would be playing in like men's events when I was 12. None of these kids are playing against, you know, older players or in open, or if you're not good enough to be in the open, the 4.0, like, yeah. I mean, I think kids should be playing against, you know, players that are better, stronger, more experienced, but then you see them just sign up for doing right. I mean, I don't know. All right, so now you got the jacket. And you're you're a Panther. Uh, so tell us what a, a a day, a typical day, looks like for you, Thomas. Now that you're uh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah, I mean it's definitely a lot different this year uh, than last year, of course. Um, but this year, I mean, my day today, I woke up uh, 7:30, walked over to the athletic facilities uh, to get my temperature taken, and uh, they assess me for for COVID symptoms, and then you get a bracelet. They put a bracelet on you that, that lets you in the facilities for the day. Um, and then I came back to my apartment, um, did some online classes uh, for a few hours. Then I went back back over uh, to the facility and had practice uh, today from 2.30 to 4. Um, and, it, and it's a little bit of a different situation now, too, as well, because all of the sports in my school uh, that were supposed to be in the fall got postponed to the spring. So okay. the, the facilities, it's, it's crazy uh, how busy all the facilities are all the time. So the amount of time that you're going to, you're going to get on court right now is a little bit limited. Um, yeah. But uh, we're, we're training probably an hour and a half to two hours on court every single day. Um, plus uh, fitness and, and weights, um, which is an hour uh, every, every few days as well. So, uh, and that also doesn't include like, normally I would have study hall hours. You would have to do five, five hours a week uh, in the study hall. It's a place where all the student athletes go. You swipe in your card and you just have to do homework and there's tutors there to help you. Um, so normally I would do that at the end of the day and then go to sleep and do it, do it all over again the next day. So it's, it's very busy. Yeah. Full day. So you're probably looking at about 20 hours of like sport time a week, yeah. probably. Yeah. yeah the, the NCAA uh, rule is that uh, you can have a max of 20 hours of, of uh, training a week. Um, normally we would be hitting that 20 hours right now. I'd say we're at probably 15 or 16 um, yeah. just because of, of the situation right now, which is fine. But um, yeah. yeah, normally I would definitely say you're around 20 hours, 20 hours a week. That includes uh, strength and conditioning. And then also the time you spend on court. Nice. So if I could ask a little side question here, now that you've been there, like you're, you're you're still considered a freshman right this year like but it's your second year there correct is that, is yeah, that how it so works we, we got an extra year of eligibility because our season got cut short next year last year so uh right now i am a sophomore but i will do a fifth year here um there's an accelerator, okay there's an accelerated master's program so i'll actually start my master's my senior year and then finish it up in my fifth year um which actually works out better for me would have yeah. uh, so now now i can get my master's as well as uh, just uh, as well as a, an undergraduate. So you're going to be able to play tennis your fifth year too. Yeah, yeah. So after this year, I have three more full years left. That's awesome. That's pretty yeah. cool. So now, now that you've been there, like maybe you could share with parents and players that might be listening. Uh, what what have you found to be the biggest challenge leaving the East Coast, uh, Halifax, Atlanta, Canada, and going all the way, well, not quite all the way out west, but out to Illinois. Like, what, what has been the biggest challenge for you to, to make that move? Um, and how did you deal with it, I guess? Yeah, I mean, it's very uh, – it's hard being away from home, obviously. I mean, but uh, it, it's good because 
you're in a situation with tennis where the majority of the team is inter- are internationals. We have guys on our team from Spain, Australia, Cyprus, India, uh, you name the country. We probably have a guy from there. So it, it's it's it, you become really close with the guys on your team because everybody's in the same situation. You're all the way from from your home countries in in America, where obviously the culture is very different and um yeah it's not like where you're from so you go really close with with the guys on your team and i think that that really helps yeah it's a lot of like-minded people right yeah yeah you're all uh you're all going away from home to play to play tennis and and study so um you all get along quite well how many people are on the the men's and women's team there like how, how big of a squad is it uh i think we have uh 13 this year Something, yeah. something around there. I'm not exactly sure uh, how many are on the women's program. Okay. So would you guys practice with women or is it men only and then women practice at their times or how's yeah, that work? It's, it's split up. So we have different, different coaches for both the men's and women's programs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and do, do you guys travel together? Like if you were going to play, would you travel? No, together? No. Yeah. no, no, we wouldn't. Our, our schedules are completely different. And uh, it, it's just, we we're, we're separate teams, but we both play tennis. So it'd be like, just like the women's and, and men's basketball team or. Right. Right. So I guess the last question to kind of bring it back, if you could do it all over again, what would you give, what would you do differently? And what, what tip would you give to somebody that's in, in the start of their junior career right now? And, want to play college. and that would like to pursue the college trade. Um, well, I would say uh, doing differently. I mean, obviously, you look back and you look at opportunities, uh, matches you should have won, things like this. But I can't. I really can't say I have many regrets. I think, uh, especially now, when you look at tennis in Atlantic Canada, it's growing. It's growing so much. The facilities now in, in Halifax are unbelievable. There's really good coaches there. Um, so I think it's. I think it's only getting better for for the kids. Um, and and when I look back at it, uh, any advice I would give is just. You can't lose sight of, of where you want to go and you can get dragged down a lot with, with the politics and with um, with being stressed about winning one individual match. And yeah. you, you just got to remember where you're going and that um, that where you want to go is bigger than bigger than winning the NS Open or bigger than Atlantic Canada. So um, mm-hmm. you, you just got to kind of rise above it and, and work as hard as you can every day. Well, great stuff so like yeah, trust answer. the process eh? enjoy the journey and trust the process of where you want to go right yeah that's, that's exactly it and and i think it's important too for guys that once you get to college that you don't forget uh don't forget to work hard every day you know just because just because i'm here now doesn't mean uh i, I can stop working hard every day i mean now now that i've arrived at college i still have, have goals of us winning conference of me improving as a tennis player um so, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not like it's not like i'm here now and I can kind of check out. Uh, I'm still working hard every day, and and I, I know the rest of our team is as well. So awesome! Now, do you find the level from junior going to there? Like, I, I know it is up, but did was it a lot more up? Like, did you yeah. did it take a lot? To yeah, it, it's completely it's completely different. It's like uh, it's like you're going to nationals every single day. Um, yeah, it, it, it's good too because uh, everybody everybody on the team is the best where they come from. Um, so. It's hard managing. Like, you you have thirteen very competitive twenty uh, year old men. So, it's sometimes yeah. sometimes guys can get at each other a little bit because obviously you're competing for starting spots and um, and you're all very competitive. But I think that 
I think that, yeah, you just got to work hard every day and, and just stay focused. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. Well, listen, thank you for doing this with us. We really appreciate yeah, it. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah, no definitely. And uh, good luck. Uh, I think you mentioned you guys play Ball State in your next match. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So good luck there, and uh, we'll be watching online and cheering for you from uh, Quispam Sister Brunswick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, thanks again, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. yeah.